Welcome back to the Getting Grit Podcast. I am Brad Pohl, your host, and this is where we tell the stories of sinners and saints. God is telling us He wants us to know Him, and it's not about more information. It's about transformation. God is the incomprehensible, the inexpressible, the inconceivable, the invincible, the ungraspable, the mystery of mysteries. And we cannot grasp what he is, only what he is not, because our language is simply inferior. Yet we can come to the knowledge of God through human reason, because we are created in his image. It's in our DNA. In writing The Weight of Glory, C.S. Lewis reminds us that our human longings are not mere aspects of human nature, but are whispers from God. He argues that we often settle for worldly pleasures because they are easy, when in reality we are designed to seek heavenly joy, which is not so easy. He delicately argues that humans are not just created by God, but for God, and that our ultimate destiny is to take on the weight of God's glory. However, life is chaotic, and if we stop pursuing God during the chaos, we quickly lose sight of ourselves and our direction. And of course, life is never without chaos, so we should learn and inspire hope and progress through that chaos, forgiving the inexcusable in others because Christ has pardoned the inexcusable in us, extending mercy because we have been shown mercy. Lewis notes, our spirituality is grounded in the vehicle of physicality, much in the same manner that music is transposed into simple notes so it can be performed. We hear the whisper of God in the silence of our lives, but how often do we allow the silence to reign? And how could anyone begin this incredible journey without first attempting to talk with God, which we call prayer? Consider that a baby has the capacity to speak roughly 7,000 languages when it is born, yet as we learn one, that capacity diminishes in us. God has the capacity to speak and understand all 7,000 So all anyone needs to communicate with God through prayer is time. You've heard the story of the dash representing our lifespan on a tombstone, which is much like the time we have between the ashes smeared on our forehead and the time our whole body returns to ashes. Peter Kreft writes of an image he gained from C.S. Lewis, saying, Think of the human race as a fleet of ships and life as the sea. Ethics are the ship's sailing orders. These instructions tell the ships the three things they most need to know. First is their mission. Are they fighting a battle or delivering cargo or ferrying passengers to a destination or just taking passengers on a pleasure cruise? Secondly, how should each ship stay ship shape so they may stay afloat? Thirdly, how are they to communicate and cooperate with each other instead of ignoring one another and getting in each other's way? It's about life. What will we make of it? We might recognize also that there are other vessels, men and women, represented by ships upon the sea that are not sailing with our fleet at all, yet we are called to communicate with them. They say the voyage that they are on is better. They have somehow in their own way decided their ethics do not need to include an ungraspable God. Betrayed by their senses, some have decided that truth is false. They believe that life is just matter, and through a series of accidents in the cosmos and enough millennia, beautiful and intricate things are all created by chance. 
Or maybe they choose not to think of any authentic truths at all. Their need for a creator has vanished. So the creature, the man, and hope itself precariously sit idle without searching for any authentic truth. Because without a creator, the creature must vanish, then man and hope, until all life becomes very artificial. Truth asks, who made us and why are we made this way? And we come by our own reasoning to this point of intelligent design explained in the book of Genesis. Then the Lord formed man from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And again he says, let us make man in our own image. According to our likeness, male and female, he created them. I knew a man once who entered the world unloved. He was part cowboy, athlete, mechanic, Air Force, heavy equipment operator, business owner, racer, pit crew, foreman, teacher. He was a man who was willing to do the hard stuff. He could see the individual notes, you might say, and his character was authentic. His song was certainly more physical than spiritual, but the sound wasn't. The ungraspable God kept talking to him. He was great in the chaos because he had lived a life of chaos, and he taught others how to make the most of their own chaos. He was more of a sayer than, say, a soothsayer, a little more practical than someone who would be called a philosopher. His philosophy was more of the unfiltered type, yet his ability to communicate and cooperate with a common man came from whispers on high. He had a knack for forgiving the unpardonable because he had felt the outcast of those considered unworthy. I think the ship he first sailed was far outside the fleet that Lewis wrote about, but somehow a copy of their ethics had been slipped into his captain's quarters. Some say they were put there by a fair maiden with auburn hair. Some say he seized his first ship after winning a race and found them by chance. While others say God was just molding a very special man over time. You know how legends become legends, don't you? It's in their DNA. To outwork him, you would need a bigger backhoe. To outfight him, you would need a bigger stick. He was an unwanted child, so he had nine of his own so that they could be wanted. Most of them thought it was only because it was permissible slave labor, but they all have the backbone to give you an honest day's work. And you will need a bigger backhoe and a bigger stick if you challenge any of them. His grandchildren seem to be growing in much the same way. They're all tougher than $2 steaks and stubborn as a two-iron on a January day. But you can't help from loving them. They are their daddy's children. He didn't wait quite as long as the man on the middle cross did to join the fleet, but he was definitely a transformed man when he took his final voyage. You know, when Maxwell Scott took the train to Shinbone interviewing Senator Ransom Stoddard, who was on his way to pay respects for the passing of his friend Tom Donovan. It's a scene from the movie, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Scott makes the famous quote, when the legend becomes fact, print the legend. Well, I watched children raise their hands in honor. Passersby stop their cars, get out, stand at attention, 
salute, to recognize the story of a man my children called Grandpa. He was very much loved, and he was legendary. Ain't it so? This is Gittin' Grit signing off. Blessings to you all. Dominus Vobiscum. <laughs>